Hello, everybody. Welcome to Geekscape Live at Stan Lee's LA Comic Con 2017. Uh, for those of you do, who don't know about Geekscape, uh, we've been around for a lot, about 11 years. We've been a podcast, and now we are a podcast network. Uh, it started in late 2006, and then eventually my audience started wanting to make podcasts their own, and now we're a network. Uh, I've had comic book creators, I've had filmmakers, actors, musicians, all sorts of people on Geekscape over the years. Uh, there's one man who I've wanted to have for the last year on Geekscape since we had a panel last year here at Stanley Zelly Comic Con, and because I read his books. Uh, Mr. Jerry Dugan, how are Hi. you? I'm very well. How are you? Thank you for having me on. Dude, it's been like the best emailing back and forth with you because the best thing is like you, you have a very busy schedule and whenever I read Deadpool or I read Guardians of the Galaxy and I'm like, hey man, any free chance to come on Geekscape this week or, or this month and, or maybe next month? And you're like, ah, I'm busy. And I'm like, oh, I just <laughs> want to say this was really cool that you did in the book. So, so, so not only do you get an invitation on the show, you've also gotten like commentary on in real time on my reaction to your writing. I, I really appreciate it. It's nice to get that feedback, and it's nice to get the positive feedback. Um, no, but we, uh, I, I do apologize. I know it's been hard to, um, to get me on, but it's, it's only because there's so much Deadpool and Guardians to write. <laughs> so, uh, Joining us on stage, uh, we've got a Geekscape favorite in her return, Miss Hannah Rose May. How are you? <laughs> Uh, please, ma'am, uh, please, I know this is your first uh, r- live Geekscape, but uh, please yeah. speak into the mic, ma'am. See, see, <laughs> see, see how uh, Jerry and I are. It. There Let's we go. go. Well, the Geekscape <laughs> is just like that. Um, she was very popular on the episode that you were on uh, promoting your film, and you're back because you have an encyclopedic knowledge of comic books, and I'm basically going to have you do the heavy lifting. Oh, God, please don't. <laughs> this has been sprung on me last minute. I would never claim to be an expert, but definitely an enthusiast. I think I, I think it gave you like a week notice. Yeah. You gave me a week. No, you were like, "Hey, come to Comic Con or yeah, LA." I need help. I need help with Comic Con podcast. I'm like, okay, but I assumed like we were going to be in a little room, you know, like it would just kind of be me and you. No idea about being live. No idea really being on a panel. It was on a podcast. Until yesterday, yeah. you told me I was joining with Jerry. Let's be realistic. Yesterday, <laughs> when we were on the phone. Well, we don't. We what didn't did want. Say? He didn't want you to cancel much earlier. <laughs> so I, I appreciate you. And plus, like you know, sticking it out. And and, and what I love is that uh, you're a fan. So you were like, oh God, oh 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 oh. Exactly. <laughs> that, that was my that was my reaction, and that only happened last night, just to justify that you told me we were doing this. But it's here great. we are. I, I want to know how you f- got comic books in Ireland. What was that like? Oh, or did you have to leave Ireland? <laughs> Um, they had a blight. They had a comics blight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a comics blight. <laughs> the second, the, the, you didn't hear about that blight. Um, well, we had eBay, you know, so I was constantly eBaying back and forth to England. And I really hope my parents aren't listening because I'm going to, well, I'm old now. They can't give out to me. But, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on the weekends, I would tell them that I was going to Dublin, that I was going to spend, like, a night at a friend's house or whatever, and I would actually take a plane over to England. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> like, like, to get comics? Like, yeah. And, yeah, they, they and were not, like, we and not we were go just clubbing or get into drugs or rock and roll. It was Whoa. to go to the comic shops. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Thank you. What were your... Fi- I mean, you'd go to, like, Forbidden Planet, like, the, the, the big spots there in London. I even once, which was, like, really terrible, and I'm like, I can't believe I even did it. I even met someone off eBay to, like, hand-sell me comics, and I'm just like... Oh my god, like how am I alive? Like what was I thinking? That's a whole new <laughs> level of British murder show. Yeah, <laughs> like, she went to another country to meet somebody yeah. for comic books off of eBay. Really bad. Very murderable. I know. Do you no, remember not what it was? Anyone, please don't do anything that we ever say. <laughs> yeah. Do, uh, do you remember what the what the book was? 
Um, which one? Ooh, ooh. No, I don't remember. I mean, you're asking a girl who has like. Yeah. No, oh, I get it. He's like, Lon for me, London does have like a very special place. Because uh, as a kid, I was into comics. And then, like in middle school, uh, my, like, I would just spend my allowance. And then, like in middle school, I remember, like, as that ended, I wasn't into comics that much. Uh, what? Repeat, like repeated pummelings. Uh, <laughs> I was not like, into comics. I was like, I yeah, like in middle school, like after, like, were you too into girls? Like, what are we missing here? No, they, well, they weren't into me. I had, I was just a giant geek, and after getting like beat up, I was kind of like a closet appreciator of comics. By the time middle school was done with me, you were, a, so, you were a tenderized geek. I was totally yeah. tenderized. Like, yeah. I, I was like. I don't want to play Dungeons Dragons or read comics ever again. I want to play basketball. Yeah, I wasn't good at that either. <laughs> and but going into, I remember going to London with my father the summer before my freshman year, and across Port like Portobello Road, and I just see Star Wars comics in yes. the window and like those Dave Dorman covers for oh, yeah. like the Dark Empire comics, so staring at me through a window, and I was like, oh my god! So those Dark Horse books. I brought you one of them when we first met. Like I was like, oh my god. Like, it's got me back into comics. I told Dave Dorman that he's responsible for me getting back into books. So uh, you flew to London for comics. I flew to London for comics. And the rest is history. Yes. What is your going to England to, <laughs> to reignite your passion for comic <laughs> story, Jerry? I yeah. actually did. I, I was invited um, to Dublin uh, Comic Con. Uh, and um, uh, De Declan Shalvey, who is uh, at the time uh, had just finished uh, drawing... Um, one of one of the Deadpool arcs that we wrote, uh, and and arranged a signing in London, and so uh, you know London's one of my favorite cities. So I, I I did I I got to go do a little mini signing tour in uh, London and and then Ireland and had a blast doing it. I hope to go back. I'll but go with you. Yeah, do it. Yeah, I'm a good tour guide. I would love that. That would be <laughs> a lot of fun. I'm gonna stay here and. Uh not read. Yeah, that's <laughs> a wrap on you. Just catch yeah. up on comics. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I fell, I you fell asleep. To me, Hannah, and Jerry. Yeah. Jonathan has left the building. <laughs> no, I mean, you know how there's a, a tiered system to your comic book reading where you're like, I gotta read these things. You know, like yours, Jerry, are in the upper tier. So like Guardians, I have to keep up with. Um, well, and I'm you. excited to. I'm excited because Marvel's doing this new shift to the to the legacy line, and mm. they're renumbering their comics back to the original numbering. I was really excited for like the return to Sakaar stuff that Greg Pak was writing with the Hulk. And oh yeah, that's great. And I've just been so tired that the other night I fell asleep with like the Hulk comic on my face and I woke up at like 1 a.m. and had to peel it off. Oh my god. So like my comic reading has PMI. kind of dipped yeah. a little bit. <laughs> as uh, the comic reading has dipped a bit as I've gotten uh, busier, but like what are some of your top tier books? Uh, I'm reading a lot of the um, stuff uh, that Marvel's doing now. Uh, I, I love the uh, legacy stories that um, that you know the Hulk story is great. Uh, the Thor uh, run that um, so Jason, uh, Aaron, and his collaborators are telling uh, that's a lot of fun. Um, I uh, have been digging uh, Mr. Miracle uh, from DC. The Batman books are always great. Um, the uh, are you guys reading? Um, I actually just noticed. Is that your son sitting there reading the Batman? He is. Yeah, um, my, my, he's heard it all before. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He when I talk though, he zones out pretty pretty well. <laughs> so he's uh, he. You know what? It, uh, he it, realize that his dad's a legend yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, he doesn't hate me yet. That's my favorite thing about uh, Declan. He's still got a few years of, of digging, uh, hanging out with dad. But it's hard to find some of the crossover books, and so we found a Batman. And aliens trade paperback. So uh, 
De- Declan's a, a fan of both Batman and the Aliens, uh, so we're uh, this this was a nice find at uh, Stanley's Comic Con. Um, so uh, you were saying you went you went to London and had the appreciation, but the, your top tier books are because um, I'm hearing that this this uh, Mr. Miracle is like going to become like the next legendary run. Mr. Miracle's great. It's it, I love those two together, uh, Mitch and Tom, and uh, you know I love those characters, and they're certainly bringing a, 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 a real new spin to it. And then uh, look, I'm reading a lot of Image books too. I'm I'm reading a lot of Rick's uh, Rick's books, Deadly Class, and um, uh, Black Science, and uh, what what else am I reading? What else did I get? You know what? I read a lot of old stuff too. Uh, I, I re- have been reading a lot of the old. Uh, uh, Conan magazines, mm-hmm. um, just for fun, you know. Just finding some of the old. It's it's funny. S- sometimes comics, when it is your job, sometimes the new comics, um, you know, they 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 feel like they're heavier to pick up than some of the stuff that I was reading from before. Sure. But um, because but of, I, the, because of continuity or just the idea of it becoming sort of a job, you know, and mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, so, so so sometimes that that that's the way it is anyway. And uh, I'm lucky in that I get to read almost everything from Marvel when it goes to print. But then I'm also a really bad interview because I have no concept of what happened and when for you guys. <laughs> I know that you know I don't know when it's safe to talk about you know, a spoiler. And so I'll sit back until people start talking about it. And I'm like, oh, all right. It's <laughs> like a time traveler a little bit. Um, well, it's funny because I feel like everyone knows you, obviously, for Deadpool and Guardians. But I, like, I mean, I'm a big fan of the Chewbacca miniseries. Oh, awesome. Well, yeah. thank you. That was, that was a lot so of fun. Good. The one that Phil Noto did the artwork for? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he, there was only five issues. It was awesome. So good. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, it was neat. Uh, you know, I, I was working with my editor, um, on Deadpool uh, was asked to be the Star Wars editor and I literally at a editorial retreat like grabbed him in an arm bar and was like if they ever <laughs> need anything Star Wars let me know and uh, you know that I, I got a chance to pitch a Chewbacca story to them that, so that they liked yeah. yeah they gave you they were like okay we'll give him the Star Wars one where <laughs> the guy doesn't talk yeah, he doesn't yeah. talk it's uh, enough of the Jerry Duggan business. This guy's got some really great dialogue. Yeah. Let's get the guy who goes... Exactly. Yeah. You know what's funny is uh, the, the Lucasfilm guys, the story group, had a really... Um, a, a, such a smart uh, uh, note for me that I wish I would have thought of out of the gate. We were talking about how to write Chewbacca, and we everyone agreed we were never going to do, you know, cat boxes or anything. It was just going to, Chewie, we were going to let Chewie be Chewie. But I was able to write the script, and I wrote two um, uh, lines for every Chewbacca roar. One was what he was saying in English, (laughs) and then underneath it, parenthetically, was the roar for the letterer. Just, you know, that way at least Phil sort of was able to, and that's what they did, I think, in the film scripts, too. They they actually had... um, lines in there and there's a there's a funny youtube video i think of uh of um, uh, peter mayhew like speaking in this very proper uh british accent some <laughs> chewbacca lines to han and han's like yeah of course you oh, know? I gotta and, check it. yeah it's, it's pretty it's, awesome it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty fun but th- yeah that was a that was a real special treat to be able to do that and then you know uh, hopefully well this is a spoiler but it's I feel like expirations yeah. run out on spoilers. We we were able to give Chewie his medal and show you why he would never wear it over his 
bandolier. So that, that was a little bit of Chewbacca, um, you know, restoration justice. that we had. Justice for the Wookiee. And with, um, what I loved about the book was that you take Chewbacca and you juxtapose him against a kid. You know, <laughs> like you give him a, a you know, because clearly, uh, you know, Han saved him. He, he now has the Wookiee life debt and they have that bond. But I think Chewbacca is great when he's juxtaposed against somebody else because uh, it probably would have been a huge challenge to write a Chewie alone book. Yeah, it would. Uh, that would have been rough, and uh, it was fun to sort of turn that life debt on its head a little bit and let Chewbacca be the guy that that you know was had, had was in that position to help save someone else and really save a whole planet from the Empire. So it was neat, and obviously Phil is a genius. That was. Uh, you know, uh, another time of getting together to collaborate with Phil that I never thought would, would happen in the first place. So lightning struck twice. And the f- first time when you were working with him on Infinite Horizon, you, were you just like pinching yourself as you see the pages come in? Oh, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, I, I had a, uh, actually it's a Comic-Con story. I'll just tell it really briefly. Uh, my, uh, we're mutual friends, Phil and I, with a guy named Dave Mandel. And uh, he is, uh, he now he's the, uh, showrunner of Veep, but uh, back then he was writing and directing uh, Seinfeld and Curb, and you know he he had uh, had a dinner at San Diego and said my buddy Phil's going to be there, and and uh, oh I, I knew who Phil was. I hadn't I had only done one comic book, and uh, <laughs> I ended up sitting next to Phil not by accident because I think I like pushed someone else out of the way, <laughs> and during the course of the dinner I I had. Uh, said I had an idea for a comic book that I'd, I'd love to do with him. And you could see him tense up because I think people, he gets, pitched all, he the gets time. pitched all the time. And I was like, I'm blowing it. I'm blowing it. But then I, I sort of walked him through, just gave him the elevator pitch of this book that was loosely based on the Odyssey in our near future that unfortunately has aged well. You know, we put a war in Syria and this was back in 2006 when, you know, but but it, it was, it didn't like... Um, try to guess at ISIS, but it sort of saw the world like that a little bit. Sure. And, uh, and Phil went for it. And then I was the guy who tensed up. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, like sitting there going, now I have to write this. I don't know if I'm going to be able I mean, to land this. But you, I mean, you have to step up. Like you, it's like being, you were oh, just drafted point, yeah. to your, one of your favorite teams, and you're like, oh, okay, now yeah. I have to make my free throws. Totally. <laughs> um, because okay, guys, everybody's staring comics, at me. Not like I know. <laughs> Welcome to Jockscape. What is this free throw? What is this free throw? But, I mean, I figure, I mean, talk about. You got the Irish girl I think they're talking about. I don't even know. If it's baseball or it's like a hardwood <laughs> floor pitch. Wait, right? we call it so football. Where I'm from? Uh, do we have? Uh, I mean, are there parts in your career where you realize that you had to step up? Because I, I feel like the first step time. Up. I mean, we're we're, I we're think always yeah. You, I mean, you're, well, you're where you're you're writing as you perceived it. Your career as you perceived it hit this next level, and you felt like you had to make some kind of a shift in either your technique or maybe you learned something new that changed the way you write or saw the industry. I, I think um, just trying to break in at that point always just felt like, boy, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get to make comics uh, professionally, but if I get a chance, yeah, I I appreciate it. You know, not everyone uh, gets to do it, A, or then get to do it and have that be the day job. So for about um, 10 years, uh, that was the labor of love where uh, I did a a very silly comic about Santa Claus after the apocalypse. That uh-huh. was the first 
comic book that I was sort of handing people, and that did help get the Deadpool job, but that Deadpool job took about five years to get after the collected edition of that comic because that's just how long things yeah, take. Yeah. You know, Dan Way was in the middle of a great run, and uh, a- Axel <laughs> wanted to try us on a miniseries, but this is how different life was then. Uh, Axel apologized and said, I can't get a Deadpool miniseries approved. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so that was, you know, uh, 2006 or seven. So, like, through, I guess, like, the mid-late 90s into the early 2000s, you were working in television and, like, doing some directing off and on, but that, that's where you met Brian Posehn? Yeah, you know what? Uh, in, the late, uh, in the late 90s, I moved out to Los Angeles, and... Uh, I worked in a comic shop. Uh, this is before Hollywood fell in love with comics the way that it has. And uh, so I was there um, at ground zero for what I think this culture would become. They're and making so a Blade was, movie. Well, They're I, making a Blade I, movie. Yeah, I mean, and I would know because they would go, hey, uh, you know, I need 15 copies of the only Blade tra- trade paperback. And I'd go, I know what you're up to. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and in fact, I mean, oh, this is a true story. Somebody from Hollywood yeah, would come someone in and be would like, come hey. in or an assistant. You know, my boss needs, um, you know, The Walking Dead. And, and actually, this is sincerely true. I, I was the guy that was closing up the comic shop. I was, uh, what store was it? The, it was Golden Apple on yeah. Melrose. And so I met everyone. You know, I met Brian in there and Patton in there. Uh, they eventually had a Comedy Central pilot called Super Nerds. And they asked me to make their set look like a real comic shop. And Bill Leibowitz, the store owner, just said, yeah, you can go uh, use my contacts to contact people that owned their own IP. So Mike Mignola let us use Hellboy on the set. And it slowly but surely looked like a real comic shop instead of something that would have looked fake. But, you know, Frank Darabont, like, I sold him... The Walking Dead off the wall. Wow. It was 20 bucks at that point. Wow. I had but this romantic you, idea about working in a comic shop. Like, if acting <laughs> doesn't work out for me, like, I think that's my back group. We like, both worked. I mean, <laughs> I that was my, my first job was working in a comic shop, and I loved it. And I remember that issue of Walking Dead because I was in New York at the time when it came out, and I was at, at Golden Apple. Yeah. And I picked it up and was like, flip through it. Like, eh. <laughs> Put it back on the shelf. Did the same thing with... Uh, why the Last Man? It's just like, eh, yeah, it eh. seems interesting, but I don't know. I mean, the Image books, like, yeah, sure, they're they're great. Now, like, Image is almost exclusively what we read because yeah, yeah. the 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 stuff is so great. And those comics you put back on the shelf were slabbed and are worth like ten thousand dollars. Totally, <laughs> totally. I was like, meh. I just got to figure out how I'm going to pay for this college I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking a lot about the past. Um, can we discuss the future? I don't know if you can say this sure. out, but future being the big word here. Word on, word on, word the, on the street. You spent some time. You spent some time on. You spent some time in the future recently. <laughs> no, no, yeah, you did. I want to. I want to ask about that. She's an actress in a new kind of sci-fi series that you might be seeing pretty soon. That's. Uh, I hope you see it pretty. soon. I hope you though. see. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, based on the Philip K. Dick stuff, uh, Altered Carbon. Alt- altered Carbon, right? And then uh, is that with uh, Miguel Sapochnik? Did you work with Miguel or someone else? Um, it's wrote by Richard Morgan. I didn't work with Miguel. Okay. Um, but Miguel said hi to her. Yeah, <laughs> M- Miguel's the director of some of your favorite Game of Thrones episodes, so this has a mighty pedigree that I'm oh. very excited for it. So oh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Um, I had actually read um, all the books, so sure. for me it was, you know, to be involved was pretty epic. Uh, when you That's when really you went cool. into audition for it, you'd already read all the books. Yeah, they were probably like, 
I don't know if she's into sci-fi, man. She, she probably did the same thing I did when, when they pitched you for Geekscape. I was like, I don't know if she's a real nerd, but I guess I'll have her on the episode. I got to do 52 of these a year. And then you showed up and it was like, oh, my God. Never underestimate me, Johnny Rocket. Yeah, I won't. I'll stop doing it. I'll stop doing it. <laughs> but, uh, and were you in Vancouver? Yeah. What, what was that like? How? Um, it's so funny. So I moved to L.A. and I'm like, oh, I moved to L.A. I'm going to be an actress. And then I moved to L.A. and everything I book is in Canada. <laughs> yeah. So I'm always in Vancouver now. Can't complain. But um, yeah, Skydance and you know Netflix have opened this big studio up there. It's pretty epic. It's really big. Yeah. Um, I'd never been involved in a set like that. It's still fresh for me. I only moved to LA a year ago. So to be involved um, in a Netflix series on a you know a book that I had actually read, um, to be sci-fi, cyber. So cool. Can't really tell you what I'm playing. No, but I understand. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was really cool. Was tell talking. me after when the mics are off. Okay, of the mics are off. Of course. Yeah. So <laughs> let's pretend the mics are off. Can I ask you about analog? Uh, yeah, I would be happy to uh, talk to you a little bit about analog. It's a uh, it's a comic book um, that I've been working on for a couple of years. Uh, uh, Declan Shalvey, who I, I mentioned earlier, uh, I had said to Declan, I said, I know I have this. Uh, comic book idea about um, what might happen to our culture if the internet became really unreliable. <laughs> now, don't laugh. <laughs> so crazy. But but it's essentially the idea that um, worms uh, are out on the web and they are continually doxing everyone, and uh, you would never transmit a secret uh, over the web anymore. It's it's too insecure. So the it, it's basically an excuse to bring back men and women with guns uh with you know brief you know a gun in one hand and a briefcase in the other and they move secrets uh for corporations and governments and uh they're called ledger men or paper jockeys but it's it's a uh, so it's futuristic. It's futuristic. The bad but guys are called 4chan or redditors. Well, <laughs> I mean, you, you know what? Like they, they. It's. I think that there's sort of a twelve monkeys conspiracy about how the internet was destroyed, and so we have then I think a fun reason why you know you have a story where you know it's a little bit like the noirs of yesteryear where you can't just pick up a phone and. and and Say so, call yeah. someone, or or so. There's it's a it's a book that travels how Japan deals with this is super cool. They embrace analog and this cool like it's like they go straight back to the 70s, mm -hmm. in in terms of even aesthetic. And so uh, and and Declan uh, introduced me to David O'Sullivan, this super talented Irish artist, and uh, this will be his first work. Um, we're going to debut in April uh, from Image. Wait, it's an Irish. Irish know. artist, yeah, Irish artist named David O'Sullivan. Oh, well, already, already, already. And Jordy Belair is going to color it. So Jordy's, yeah, we're we're not um, Irish. I don't think that guy's are. is that guy Irish. She, well, j she's, she's yeah, she's uh, she's um, well, it's funny. She's been living <laughs> in Dublin for a few years, but I think she escaped Florida, so Ireland took her in. She's officially a we're very welcoming. Yeah, it's uh, believe me, I may have to <laughs> go as well. But it's about so it's about us that that comic and about how we are going to change when um, when the internet dies. So I'm like secretly dying here. Um, I had kind of read about this a bit. Um, you know, you just did New York Comic Con. Yeah, we announced it at New York. Yeah. Um, so where did the like distrust come from? Because I'm super paranoid about the internet anyway. Have you followed him on Twitter? <laughs> Have you followed Jerry on Twitter? <laughs> Don't do that, Stop please. Don't. That's not a great recommendation. Dying here. 
But um, so I like your tweets. <laughs> his best tweet was when he tweeted. He recently tweeted on Blade, and he was like, "Hey, at least Santa Monica has parking." And <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, so where did it come from? Like, do you, can you give us a bit of background? Like, why are they so paranoid about the internet? Well, I, I think uh, in this version, uh, you'll see pretty quickly that. Um, it is gone when we pick it up. It's not really a story of about the internet going away. It's it's about the internet being there. Okay. But whatever you're going to put on there is instantly just for everyone. Oh. So your search histories, your uh, emails, all of your photos, everything is just out there in paste bins. So when you meet someone, wow. too, you'll be able to just sort of rifle through their life uh, and, you know... Right. Uh, and everything's in so, a profile. So everything is in a profile, yeah. and 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 uh, you know it's it's Sounds a, like a nightmare. It is a nightmare, <laughs> and and I, I, one of the things one of the things I, I think that David did really well as we are doing some world building in the first couple of issues, and then we get into who the bad guys are, and there's a a spy who is we just know as Aunt Sam, uh, <laughs> and they're trying to rebuild sort of their spy capabilities even in this mm-hmm. world, and because. Uh, Security is going, yeah, a little bit. It's because security is moving back to paper and everything's analog. You know, we see, you know, a a cavernous room filled with copiers and sort of people who are being grabbed and having their, uh, you know, briefcase come in and then everything's photocopied again. So even though we're in a near future and there is high technology, you know, one of my favorite images from the book so far is Jack. Uh, McGinnis, our hero, driving his car, which Jack is McGinnis. an anal- analog car. <laughs> it is very Irish. It's very name, Irish. Right? It's actually, uh, he, and we're spelling it in the same Mag- Rob- as for Robert McGinnis, the the illustrator. But the but the, the, his car is an old junker, <laughs> and everyone else is in their self driving car in this future. I mean, there is technology. There is an internet. It's okay. just everyone is Not using more, it quite yeah. differently. So, like, are they carrying cash? People, some people carry cash. Some people carry uh, analog. F- you know, film is back in Japan. Yeah. So yeah. there, you know, people aren't using cell phones like they were, and you know, it's a chance to look at um, our society. And 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 the, the, it became important, obviously, after 2016, as we are talking about like where we're headed. Anyway, it felt like you know, I th- we threw a story out into a little brook, and then all of a sudden the it became a river, and so now I, I, I'm hoping that we get out there before too much of the first issue feels like it's just a mirror. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. But we'll see. So when can we expect this? First week of April will debut, and so uh, uh, we'll be soliciting uh, sooner rather than later. Jordy's going to be uh, doing some colors. Uh, I need to get a final logo, but the really good news is David is on issue five, so okay. we will have before we solicit a completed trade paperback, and then I'll put it out there for the you know retailers to be sample. able to read it. How uh, I'll email it to you. <laughs> so you spoke. There's like Jack McGinnis. Oh. Sorry, I'm yeah, like I, really I was just excited. Ask, I'm like, really well, excited he, about this. He said it's so going to be. Excited, I guess he said it's six issue trade. Like how much, how mine how far do you anticipate? Doing this. Is I mean, it an ongoing? I, yeah, it's an ongoing. So, so I, I hope that we'll get, you know, uh, I, I have, a, you know, I, idea for an outline through three or four trades. And in success, boy, that would be great, you know. And, and if, uh, you know, sales are slower, then I'll, I'll figure out a way to wrap it up and make everyone want, want more. So we got Jack McGinnis and you spoke about a spy. Females? Una. 
Una is so cool. She is. Uh, there's one. No, no, no. There's Una. a lot, hey, but Una. Una. Well, but our our, vil- our villain is uh, a female. She's an older uh, NSA agent it. who no one w- seems to know her name now. She's not Uncle Sam. She's Aunt Sam. And then Jack uh, has a, a collaborator in, in a lot of this. And uh, Una is one of my favorite parts. When we meet Una, uh, she's in a wheelchair, but she doesn't need it. Uh, at that moment, yeah, and she's so holding she's, on to that she's holding on to uh, you know the uh, advantage. Well, the weapons too. She, yeah, exactly. She's she's counting on people immediately um, thinking about her uh, in a diminished state, and she's not. <laughs> and then also, <laughs> you know, not setting off metal detectors. I mean, and stuff, would it be so the first cool. time that someone underestimated a woman? Let's be realistic. I know, hey, right? I, I, listen, uh, I, I correct <laughs> midway <laughs> through that mid, midway through right. that Geekscape episode. You can hear me be like, oh. I'm in a cage with a tiger. She is the captain now. Oh. I am the captain. Okay. <laughs> we'll see how this works. <laughs> but I'm really excited, and I'll put up a preview. I'm glad that you're digging it, and I hope that our world does not look more like this. Let's <laughs> hope it remains just speculative fiction. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. you've been right before. So, I mean, uh, it, yeah, if the a, Santa Claus one comes true, that'll be the biggest bummer. Yeah, <laughs> post-apocalyptic. Sorry, Santa, folks. We're headed there. Yeah. Post-apocalyptic. You know, hey, you have some gifts. You're all radiated. It'll be great. <laughs> have some gifts. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, you, you do kind of uh, you, you do have a knack for humor, and, and one of my biggest uh, pet peeves is when a, a character is supposed to be funny, like Spider-Man. Not that Dan Slott's not killing it on Spider-Man. He is. That's that's definitely an upper tier book for me. But uh, when a character is supposed to have a sense of humor and y- y- the, the, it's just, I mean, comic book pacing is so hard. It is. It's a different. It's uh, hard to uh, that the, storytelling the is different. And then look, uh, there are uh, so many wonderful comic book artists, but not necessarily all of them can necessarily sell a joke. Sure. Um, and we're I'm so lucky in the Deadpool business. Jordan D. White, our editor, and Heather Antos. You know, they have kept me uh, well-stocked in collaborators that can do the action and do the comedy mm-hmm. and uh, so, so lucky. The raunchy humor. What did you yeah. um, take with you in your collaboration? I mean, obviously you had a friendship with Brian Fussain going into it, but, um, you know, when I start, first started reading that book, it is hilarious, and Brian is a part of it, and then slowly but surely it became solely your book. As a writer, uh, how much did you carry on? How much, I mean, how did that shift the your approach to writing Deadpool, having Brian collaborate and then not collaborate. You know what? He's been an important collaborator of mine for a long time. Uh, we wrote that uh, Santa Claus comic together, and uh, you know he asked me to collaborate on that um, that Comedy Central show, uh, and and we've worked on some other things together. Um, but the yeah, Brian, uh, you know, uh, even when Bob Odenkirk and David Cross were writing Mister Show, you know, as funny as those guys were, they value him as a guy who can step up and, uh, you know, do the smart, stupid joke that nobody else is going to think of. And, and I think that's, you know, his gift to Deadpool. Um, you know, and, and also, look, um, there's a lot of darkness in Brian. And so I think there were, there were definitely times when people would say, oh, well, Brian must have written this funny thing, and then you wrote this really sad, messed up thing, and, and actually they got it wrong. Mm-hmm. Brian will have written the super dark thing that, uh, you know, he's got an, he's writing a memoir now, and I think it's going to be... Surprising. Uh, it's gonna, people, I think yeah. it's going to surprise... You know, he talks about a lot of the tragedy of it all. His, his dad died real young and uh, sort of left him to sort of make it through Northern California in the 
mid 70s as this kid who was super nerdy and into stuff and you know humor was a defense mechanism but boy he got good at it was it uh i mean what was your upbringing like like what was your your journey to comics i mean at what point did you pick up your first comic and and what led you to it i got into comics because my old man uh i was born in manhattan and then uh, when uh, sam berkowitz started blasting people my folks moved us out to new jersey uh long about the summer of sam yeah. and uh but my so my old man was commuting on uh, the trains. He'd pick up a paper for himself and a comic book for me off the rack. This is how long ago in this like was. Grand Central Station or Penn Station somewhere. Yeah, like so. That but he got Hoboken. you guys out of Manhattan. He was like, "We're moving to Hoboken." I mean, we, yeah, we were a growing family, so sure. we needed a yard anyway. But okay. it, I'm sure it didn't help that it was like you know yeah, the, gar- the garbage strike and you know the the whole nine yards of it. But that yeah that. I would get the comic book, but what what ended up happening was I read the comic book and then I read the tabloid. So it was, you know, the New York Post, headless body in a topless bar. Like I grew up with all of that, like the mayhem of the comic books and then the mayhem of the real life New York, New Jersey. And uh, I think I've brought that forward a little bit. Um, but I, I so I, I went from Jersey and then up to Boston for. Uh, I love that you look college. at me. You're like Boston, Boston, Irish. <laughs> your people, right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what were some of those early books that that kind of shifted your thinking towards the medium? A lot of Marvel and DC. Although uh, I picked up uh, Hard Boiled from Jeff Darrow and Frank Miller, and yeah. I was like, oh, this is uh, this is really where I, I should be living. Um, so uh, when you know, and and I started reading the early uh, Image books when. When those guys did, uh, you know, did that amazing transformation of the whole comic book industry, but yeah, I, you know, Spider-Man was always my favorite. I, I got to be honest, I, I never th- like dreamt of seeing an Avengers movie or even a Spider-Man movie. I, I had the comics. I didn't really care. And when Batman '89 came out, I was like, it was more like, is this real? Yeah. Is this? And then so now to. You know, I I know I've. This is my son's gonna shake his head at me, but the like. He's adorable, by the way. Well, yeah. Don't don't tell him that. <laughs> Earmuffs. I don't want you to have any. Uh, no, but but the the the. Uh, you know, he when he asked for an Iron Man toy, I was like, you don't understand. In, yeah. Like, yeah, you'd have to like ruin a Mister Spock toy with yellow tape to make an Iron Man. Now you can <laughs> have every different type of Iron Man armor there is. It's just you kids these days. I mean, it's true. <laughs> it nothing. There's no older thought than that, but it truly is for for young geeks. Like, you don't understand the drought. Like that, we walked out of this desert. Give him a Mago figure, <laughs> just to be like, hey, buddy, here's yeah. a Mago figure. And if yeah. you want Godzilla, you're gonna have to get that giant samurai one that they put out in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> I remember talking to Jeff Darrow about Godzilla because uh, a couple, a couple years ago in New York Comic Con, he had a print that was just Godzilla's rampaging through a, like a Tokyo neighborhood. And the and for those of you who don't know Jeff, uh, he was one of the art uh, artists that they used on, that the Wachowskis used on the Matrix. Yeah, to so get those really ornate like circuitry and details. And so the detail is painstaking in his in his artwork. So much detail. And I just yeah. remember telling him like, like come on, because I talk to comic artists, and some comic artists uh, sometimes just are on a deadline and they rush. You know, they rush to the job to get it on shelves. And as a reader, you, you can tell. Um, it, but the but the paycheck comes and, and it's a job, right? And Jeff just re- I remember saying, "Hey man, like what got you into like doing all these intricate details?" And you see the people's faces; they're all interesting. I mean, please go look at Jeff Darrow artwork. Maybe he, he was it, on shrooms. And okay. he just goes, 
That's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, that's, goes, that, I, I draw all those details because they're there. That's that's what it looks like. Oh, <laughs> like okay. he'd be draw, he would be drawing the etching into the carpets yeah. and, and the texture of the the chair back and everything if he was here. And it's just incredible. It's it's just how he sees the world, and um, you know, thank God he does because those exactly. the, those drawings are just they'll you know he'll be immortal through his work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like all the great. And I think there's got to be a, there's a lot to be said for what Mike Richardson did. Uh, with those Dark Horse books is finding people who could break... Because when when Image came out, it was a bunch of guys who worked for Marvel, you know, moving on to their own imprint, and they were also going to make more superhero books. And uh, and DC had that, that problem too, and I think a lot of those things led to that mid-'90s crash. Uh, and I was a little scared when I started seeing the metal stuff come out and it had foil covers, and I was like, no! <laughs> have we not learned <laughs> yeah. that the foil covers kill comics? Um, but but, but the writing's really but but we've got this. Um, but what I loved uh, about the stuff Dark Horse was doing at the time was were those Jeff Darrow books and Madman made me fall in love with the pop stuff. Oh, so cool! And then um, uh, what Mike, Mike Mignola was doing with Hellboy it was just on another level, and you don't see that anywhere else. Sin City, I you don't know. see that stuff anywhere else. Speaking of Mad uh, Madman, the uh, I'm getting to work with uh, Allred on a Guardians issue. Yeah, which I is saw a that on Twitter. Crazy <laughs> dream come true. And he's, and he's. I mean, it's incredible. It's I saw incredible. that on Twitter, yeah. and it, I just hosted the iZombie panel, and oh, I think cool. I started with, like, I watched the pilot of the show because yeah, it came yeah. out of Mike Allred's head, and it, it was a dream of mine. It led me to film school making a Madman movie. Yeah, because the guy was just pop culture and if you haven't read his Silver Surfer run uh, with yeah, Dan that Slott, is incredible. I'm holding off reading issue 14 because issue yeah, 13 was so emotional. I know. Did you read four, you read 14? Yeah, I've been a couple of, that's really special. We all, we all knew this was coming, you know, at the editorial retreats, folks will walk through their stories and stuff and it, uh, you know, sometimes you hear the same story because, you, you know, they're, they're, it's been there'll a while be two or three retreats, old, yeah. yeah. But you'll, everyone will just go, "Hey, has anything changed? Anything that we can do?" And I never got tired of hearing, uh, you know, the end of that story, and then the stuff that Jason's doing. You know, the, those, you know, uh, you you could hear pin pins drop. So I'm I'm excited. You're talking about the stuff that Jason's doing with the death yeah, of Mighty Thor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, and I realize I'm, I almost blurted out something I'm probably not supposed blur, to blur. Blur. No, I, I mean. I, I can't. But she but wants to hear it. I'm like, no, I'll read it. <laughs> it'll be yeah, pasted. It'll be pasted to my face when, when I read when I, I fall asleep reading it. I admire your restraint because that was one that uh, you know I read directly uh, in the email. I don't even think I downloaded it. I was like scrolling through the PDF and in Gmail the the day it went to the printer. Yeah, it's inc- it's incredible. And Mike does the artwork, and it's just beautiful. Yeah, cosmic. So much fun and you know energy and pages and line work. You know, so, sometimes comics you know can can f- feel um, well, stilted. Yeah, or and this Sorry. this just it feels like it's exploding off a page. And I, I, I did, and when you look at Mike Allred's artwork, I, I think that it's the, the Kirby S stuff in the greatest, most celebratory oh, way. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, in the in the and and I, you see that with Romita, and you see that where, where they just have their own style that. Others have to emulate because it's it, once you see it, you're like, oh, obviously that's what a comic book is supposed to look like. Obviously that's why this art form is unique because guys like that exist, and younger artists have to start 
fighting their way out of emulation into their own style as well. Yeah. Because those that I just listed, like Mike Mignola, uh, they all did those runs for Marvel. Totally. You know, they all did their Marvel books. And when you find them, you, s- you, s- you can see those lessons being learned. When you look at your writing, um, was there a level of emulation that you started with when you started writing comics and be like, okay, well, I remember these issues and kind of how the pacing was and what the story was. And obviously, you'd be a screenwriter as well, and you'd, you'd, you'd been a writer. So how, how, did the, the, how did your early work look compared to what your process is today? Well, I try not to look backwards at the actual comics only because I feel like it'll drive me nuts. Sure. Like I'll understand George Lucas and it'll make me sad. But like the, because I do, the co- really cool thing about comic books is uh, I work real hard on it for 90 or 100 days and then once that comic goes to the printer I don't have a relationship with it. Sure. So, uh, but, but I think it's a great question because I, I sort of came into it uh, you know, uh, almost like a Shane Black clone you know, I felt like I was just emulating Shane Black. I learned to write screenplays by reading uh, Shane Black. And very for 90s, those of you that don't... Mid-90s thing. It is. He it, made the most money. Yeah, he, I did, mean, he did make the most money. And this is before Iron Man 3. Um, but, but this is before he had any connection to like the comics of right. it all. But, but his Hard Kiss Goodnight script was notoriously like the most expensive script ever sold. Or yeah, something it like sold that. for $4 million. And you were like, and, yeah, yeah, the kiss for Randy Harlan's A, a Long Kiss Goodnight. With Gina wow. Davis and Sam Jackson was like the most expensive. It was, sold. The, it was wow. the biggest spec sale to date. Although I just loved reading. Like if you've ever read one, boy, are they fun! You know, there are so many screenplays that like just require you to use your imagination, which is how it should all be. But 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 Shane Black made it fun, made it different, made it cool, and everything was snappy. You know, everything made a lot of. Uh, uh, th- there were things in there that subverted expectation. And so I, I did feel like at the beginning anyway that I was just sort of trying to find my rigs in Murtaugh and, uh, you know, if and that ended up being Deadpool, sort of mm-hmm. playing both of those characters mm-hmm. probably. Um, I feel like your yeah. writings, like you can tell, like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, Deadpool, you, you're so good at like having that like witty, raunchy humor, but also being like serious and like building excitement. Like I, you can tell, like your work. Yeah, I mean, feel. Like, you, you gave Deadpool thanks. a daughter, and <laughs> yeah, you know, we I mean, didn't you, you know. Did we, didn't, we didn't mean to do that, but it sure happened. <laughs> but I mean, don't do that. I mean, a, a, a character that's impervious. You know, he feels pain, but he can, he kind of can be killed, and you know, he's a bit invincible. Giving him those weaknesses, and it always. My argument with for Superman when people start saying, "Oh, Superman's too powerful," he can't, it's like he has four billion weaknesses. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's and that's true. You gave one to Chewbacca. You give one to who's the strongest person? You know, one of the strongest people in Star Wars. And you give one to Deadpool. You give him something to lose. Um, I, I think that's for me at the heart of like why I love your books that you can do what Hannah said and have this like hilarity and you know you don't know how far Jerry's going to take it <laughs> and then there's that one beat that's like oh oh that was that's that's a nice moment um the relationship that you develop between, you know with with Groot currently currently you've got uh, something going on with uh the big powers in the universe and Groot uh has been manipulated and can't grow how much of that was obviously mm-hmm. James made Baby Groot very popular with Guardians of the Galaxy too. Um, you have you have a Baby Groot in your story, but B- Baby Groot 
is just a, uh, he's going to yeah, grow, he's, but you kept him from growing. He's diminished. Yeah. Um, right now, the the one of the cosmic elders uh, attacked him and used all of his pieces to uh, grow a carnivorous tree army, <laughs> and so that's where his life force is sort of stuck. Uh, I just you know the really messed up honest answer is I thought we'd subvert the expectation to tr have a baby Groot that would you know to, to as a like a jumping off point for uh, for a horror story <laughs> and actually oh, really? yeah in <laughs> Legacy it's really going to come to a head but so, so none of that came out of like hey James has this movie out no, and baby no. Groot's going to be a big part of it we're going to sell tons of these little dancing baby Groots you got to keep baby Groot in the in the in the in the book you, as no, long as you can no no they don't uh, they want us to tell and then whatever Groot, Teen Groot Teen Groot forever <laughs> <laughs> no I think the people that are are jonesing for big Groot like be careful what you wish for I, I, I don't want a big group. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, That's I, the correct answer. Yeah, I really don't. And I love what, you, what you're what you doing in the book because it, you know, it, it, it shapes Rocket's character like crazy. It shapes all their characters like crazy. And, um, and, and sometimes Groot can become sort of like the ba-dump-bump of the team <laughs> where it's like everybody's talking and isn't it funny that you can't tell what Groot's saying? And you're yeah. really <laughs> giving him a lot of vulnerability. You know, the second that we grow them, it's like when you get a kitten, nobody wants a cat. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> and, and with Groot, you are stuck in this situation where it's like, okay, we made him big again. When's he going to be small again? Exactly. He's yeah. small. When's he going to be big again? When's, it, when's he going to do We have thing? a, I think we're going to stick the landing on this Groot story. So 146 is a really big issue for us in, in Legacy. 147 is even bigger with one, I think it's my favorite last page of a Marvel comic that I've been a part of. Which one did Alred do? The Adam and then, story. Uh, we're building up to 150 in which the Groot stuff will get settled, I think, in 152. But the in 151 is the Allred story. And that's a, that, uh, Adam Warlock returns in 150 and... Uh, Mike Allred has 20 pages and 151 to just go crazy. And that's a character that he's uh, been waiting a long time to draw. He's been on a shelf uh, mm -hmm. a, a little bit, but, but he's coming back. And, you know, we're, I think, going to tell a fun story that we've been telling the whole time about Gamora, uh, yes. you know, and uh, she feels that part of her soul is still trapped in the Soulstone, Soul Stone, yeah. and she may be right. Feel her pain. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we all do. This is Los Angeles. We're <laughs> trapped God in the damn. Soul Stone. But that the 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 idea that um, you know that that is going to have uh, some big consequences for not just her, but and the team, but but also I think the Marvel Universe is a larger whole. So she is Thanos's daughter, guys. Yeah. Let's yeah. just remember that you know you like her a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. She yeah. still has this capacity. She's, she it. yeah. She can go uh, as dark as anyone. So the, it, it's as fun. Dark as Brian Pussain. Maybe not that dark. <laughs> <laughs> she grows a big beard. <laughs> um, I, I, this is a Geekscape Live, and I totally was just kind of doing a Geekscape in studio. Uh, do you guys have any questions? For Jerry, that you want to bounce off of them? Because uh, obviously, We're, we got the wrap up from the Comic Con people, so <laughs> last chance. <laughs> yeah, they're like, no shingles. Yeah. I mean, I, I could keep talking to you about all this stuff because uh, when, I, when, I, when I was researching this, I was like, oh, you, 
you know, I I am somebody who's written in video games, comics, and movies, and you also wrote video games in Sunset Overdrive and did some of the the that was dialogue fun. writing yeah, and stuff. I, like that. I contributed some of the some of the writing to Sunset Overdrive. It was an Xbox One exclusive. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Insomniac uh, Studios was right down the hill in Burbank, and uh, I uh, they were looking for a little bit of sort of that. Uh, Deadpool, pixie dust, uh, nodding or breaking the fourth wall, and uh, it took me a long time to get hired. Microsoft, you know, was like not sold on right. Me. They're like, like, who's this right, comic guy? We have our people, and yeah, it was like six months of lead time, just sort of gone away. But once we got into it, it was really a lot of fun. And I mean, any chance that you're going to be doing more video games? I've heard rumors. Uh, I don't know. Spoilers, um, spoilers. Yeah, right now I'm working a, a little bit with uh, with Bungie, uh, so that that's been fun oh. um, up in Seattle. Um, the Destiny creators, I mean, obviously the, the Halo people, but now they're they're all working on Destiny. Yeah, and that, that that's that's been fun. That's probably exclusive. as much yeah. as I yeah. could probably ever say about <laughs> that, or when you might see anything but uh, I, I really admire those guys they made such a fun world I, I think uh, I, I have nothing but nice things to say about Destiny 2 and um, you know I, I think the future uh, there is going to be a lot of fun too. or a bit Duganish maybe <laughs> we'll see and, and I mean you still have a good relationship with Insomniac yeah oh yeah for sure because you have a Spider-Man they, game they, coming out they do yeah they're, they do I know I need to probably not say anything about that, but w- yeah, that's <laughs> going to be great. And you know, uh, one of the one of the you know, I wrote a western for Marvel uh, during Secret Wars, and some of that's going into the le- next Lego Marvel game, and it's the coolest. Oh. Thing that's got to be awesome. Yeah, the, to the, see the, happening. The, the yeah. Tony Stark uh, Iron Man of 1872 is so, is really really cool. <laughs> so cross your fingers. Marvel Games has a lot of cool stuff coming up. We look forward to it. Um, Jerry, dude, thanks for coming on the show, hey, man. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Love having you. Uh, it was so nice to meet you. It's so nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah. We will continue. Sorry, I feel like no, it's hands. good. Oh, <laughs> I told you she was, she was nervous. She's a big comic fan. I know, I know. Um, I'm really excited. Thank you for coming on Geekscape. Geekscape is you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Just look for Geekscape. Uh, thank Jerry, you for having me. We'll find mm-hmm. you on Twitter. Absolutely. Don't do that. It's well, a, a worthless follow. Yeah, well, that's a, you know, if we don't, you know, still have the and internet. We, and we look forward to all your books coming out. <laughs> uh, Hannah, you are also I, I, on the internet. We'll follow you as well. Oh, Hannah, I'm going to get you PDFs of analog. Oh my god, please. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank Take you. care.